Hello, hello, everyone. You are listening to Christ in the Classroom presented by Sophia Institute for Teachers. I'm your host, Jose Gonzalez. Welcome to another great episode. Um, I'm very excited for my conversation that I'm going to share with you today. We are going to explore a brief introduction to theology of the body. Uh, and I had the great privilege of speaking to one of the most influential voices uh, in 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 the church today on this topic, um, someone who has dedicated his life really to this particular um, uh, branch of theology and study within the church, um, and that is Christopher West. Uh, many of you have probably heard of him, read his books, heard a talk, uh, are familiar with the name. If you have not, then you are in for a treat, uh, and so very thankful that he was able to join us today. As always, let's begin our time together with a prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Direct, O Lord, we beseech you all our actions by your holy inspirations and carry them on by your gracious assistance that every prayer and work of ours may begin always from you and by you be happily ended through Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, so today we're going to talk about theology of the body, and we've mentioned this on this podcast before a little bit. Um, we had uh, Monica Ashour from the Theology of the Body uh, Evangelization team um, on our show uh, last season. Uh, we've addressed issues of LGBTQ and gender identity and chastity all through this lens um, earlier this season when we had Jason Everett and Kim Zember and Emmanuel Gonzalez on. Um, all of those teachings are rooted in that, but theology of the body is so much more than human sexuality, and, and hopefully you'll get a, an understanding of that today. Um, for those that are not familiar, Theology of the Body was a series of uh, weekly Wednesday audiences that Pope John Paul II held over the course of, of, um, of several Wednesday audiences beginning uh uh, in 1979. Uh, it's really a reflection on the Gospels, um, the Pauline literature, the Pauline literature, um, and uh, the book of Genesis, definitely the some of the wisdom literature. It's really a, a deep meditation on some of the themes in scripture um, that that really speak to um, to the 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 physical realities of this world, this life that God created, how those all point to spiritual realities, to much deeper spiritual realities. Uh, and, and the way that Christopher explains it is really just, it's exciting. Uh, he really stirred my heart in the conversation again uh, and reminded me about the, the beauty and power of this, these amazing, amazing teachings. Um, Theology of the body is really about understanding God's plan for us. Uh, I will say this. Um, when I first heard this teaching, when I first um, was, was sort of introduced to the concept of theology of the body, I was in my, um, I was in my early 20s. I was studying. Uh, I was a senior at Franciscan University of Steubenville at the time. And I had a very skewed understanding of the human person, of, of sexuality, of what it meant to be male and female. Um, I had kind of drunk in the culture. Uh, I was trying to live a faithful life. Uh, but, but the reality is, is I was um, sort of just like white knuckling it and grinning and bearing it and, and really trying um, my best to not do. I had this approach, a very rules driven approach approach to the faith. Um, sort of like, okay, don't do this, 
but do this, but it's really hard to not do this. So I'm going to try really hard not to, um, but inevitably I would fall. I would find myself in confession. Uh, and I just didn't have a proper understanding, a proper integrated understanding of, of what, you know, the human person was called to be the amazing richness of God's plan for us. And theology of the body really opened my eyes uh, to so many things. Yes, to a proper understanding and integration of what it meant to live um, human sexuality. But beyond that, more than that, an understanding and appreciation for the physical world and all of its splendor and glory and all of that and how that draws us into God, how that draws us into his divine life, Um, you know, theology of the body is so much more than the church's teaching on human sexuality. And I hope that you'll see that and come to understand that in the, in the conversation. Uh, it's exhaustive. It's long. There's so much to learn about it. I'm still learning about it. Um, I, any, any opportunity I get to kind of dive into this, um, this beautiful teaching, uh, I find a way to, because it is, it transforms your heart. It transforms your mind the more you soak it in, the more you bring it into your life. And so I can't encourage you enough uh, that if something in this podcast stirs your heart uh, or stirs your mind um, to go seek more, to drink deeply from this beautiful well that we've been given. Because I really believe, as Christopher is going to mention, that theology of the body is the answer to the problems of our time right here in this place. The more that you can immerse yourself and understand the theology of the body and live it in your own life, the more you'll be able to pass it on to your students and transform their lives. And believe me when I say they need this so badly, we need this so badly. And so I really hope and pray um, that you see the gift of this great treasure that John Paul II gave us um, that continues to unfold. And we continue to see the beautiful fruits of it in our church and in our world, despite all the craziness that's going on. There's so much um, being done to teach and share the good news of this with with, with others. And I hope um, that you will, you will be part of that, that you will uh, internalize the beauties of the, the beauty of these teachings and share that with your students. And I hope that this podcast provides a, a little bit of a glimpse um, and maybe either uh, gives you a fresh perspective that you didn't have or renews your vigor uh, and joy for this message if you are already fairly familiar with it. So I'm going to um, let you guys dig, uh, listen in on the conversation I had with Christopher a little while back. It was a beautiful conversation. Uh, Christopher is, is a great witness to the faith. And I, I really, um, I was so thankful that he agreed to join us and be part of this, this podcast. So with that, um, I'm going to let you guys listen in and I hope you enjoy the conversation. So with us today is Christopher West, um, who uh, is uh, with the Theology of the Body Institute. Uh, Many of you have probably heard his name associated with Theology of the Body. He's been around for quite some time. Uh, This is a great topic of his, a a great passion of his. Um, I've had the great pleasure of hearing him speak in lots of different venues before, and and, uh, this is probably the first time we've really officially met um, more 
I've, I've admired your work from a distance, read a lot of your stuff, um, and, and was very grateful that you agreed to, to come join me on the podcast. I think it'll be of great benefit to our listeners. Um, so uh, welcome, Christopher. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, Thanks, Jose. Yeah, happy to be here with you and, and your listeners. Wonderful. Well, why don't you start off, just share with us a little bit about, I guess, your ministry, what you're involved with, um, maybe some of the resources you offer and, uh, you know, yeah. to share a website or, or anything that, that teachers might want to uh, look at uh, at another time. But yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll give a, just a brief background into how I got involved in this. I'm, I'm full time and have been for my entire adult life teaching John Paul II's Theology of the Body. And people often say, well, how did how did you get into that? Well, I was raised in the church in the 70s and 80s, went to Catholic schools, and I was raised on, on what you might call, I've come to call, the starvation diet gospel. And the basic <laughs> message, <laughs> the basic message hovering in the air was, your desires are bad, especially those desires. You need to repress all that, but follow all these rules, and you'll be a good upstanding Christian citizen. And I, I tried to follow that. I, I wanted to be a good kid. Uh, but then, then the desires really kicked in, you know, when I got a little older and I became a quick convert to what I call the fast food gospel, which is the secular culture's promise of immediate gratification for the hunger. And I don't know about you, but I'm a hungry guy. And if the only two choices are starve or eat the fast food, I'm going for the chicken nuggets. And don't lie to me. They taste good going down. They really do. But if that becomes your steady diet, uh, eventually the grease and the sodium is going to catch up with you, so to speak. So that brings you to my college years in the late 80s uh, when the grease and the sodium caught up with me. And it put me on my knees and I started saying, God, if you exist, you better show me. Why did you give me all these desires? They're getting me and everybody I know into a lot of trouble. Do you have a plan? I started seeking. And to make a long story short, a few years later, now we're in the early 90s. I discovered the teaching of Pope John Paul II called Theology of the Body. And I realized for the first time, Christianity is not a starvation diet. It's an invitation to a wedding feast. And I thought, okay, I'd never heard this before. This was like life-changing that the hungers that we have in our humanity, God put there to lead us to him. But if we don't know this banquet exists, we're going to end up taking our hunger to, to false counterfeit satisfactions. I knew then, Jose, that I would spend the rest of my life studying this theology of the body and sharing it with the world, and I've had the privilege of doing that since the early 1990s. Um, I eventually got my doctorate in theology, and I am the president of the Theology of the Body Institute, which was founded in 2004, and our mission is just to help as many people as possible to encounter what I would say is the answer to the crisis of our times. Teachers, catechists, you know this. Your students are getting slammed by that proclamation of the fast food gospel. Bring your desire over here. Bring your desire over here. And we might put it this way. If the contest is between the fast food and the starvation approach, which one's going to win? Well, the fast food, hands down. Yeah. But if the contest is between the fast food and the invitation to a wedding feast that corresponds to the deepest hunger and desire of our heart, well, the wedding feast is going to win. And so this is why Jesus says, go out there into the main streets and invite everyone to 
starve to death? No, no. Invite everyone to the wedding feast. So if I can be of some help today in passing on to you as teachers and catechists, things I've learned about inviting people to that wedding feast, uh, this, I think our time will be, have been well spent. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I, I love, you know, I, I love the food analogy because I'm a foodie and that makes total sense. And it's funny when you, when you get off the fast food and you discover, you know, real, real cuisine and real food, you don't want to go back to the fast food. Don't want to go back. Yeah. Evangelization kind of does itself when you, when you become a witness to the banquet, right? <laughs> when you can be a true effective witness that this banquet is real, that the alternative to the fast food is not starvation. The alternative to the fast food is a feast, a banquet that perfectly corresponds to the hunger. Now evangelization and catechesis can really get underway. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you. That was really kind of a great uh, lead in to, to, to what, what the gospel has to offer what theology of the body has to offer. If you could, and I know this could be a really loaded question because theology yeah. of the body, like you said, you have a whole institute devoted to this. You could spend courses and courses um, on it. And right? I do. <laughs> and you do, right. Uh, so I, I know that this is a huge topic, but if if you were to, if we could sum up, I think a lot of, a lot of there's, there's a misconception out there. Um, yes. often say theology of the body, people think, oh, that's the church's, like fancy way of ch saying chastity education. Right, right. No doubt it encompasses that, but it's so much more rich than that. So, so much more. Could you sort of summarize what, you know, kind of the yes guess, elevator pitch of what is theology of the body and how, you know, how do you, in, in a digestible way for teachers to understand? understand yeah, well, let me, let me speak right into the heart of the teacher and the catechist here. I, I want to quote from John Paul II's document came out early in his pontificate on catechesis. And he says this, and this is a beautiful in, as you were saying, Jose, to the scope, how broad this theology of the body is. Let's just look at it from this perspective. Our faith is faith in the incarnation of the second person of the Trinity. That's where our faith begins, right? With the word taking flesh. And, and John Paul II says, if it seems strange to speak of the body as a theology, a study of God, it shouldn't if we believe in the incarnation, right? Mm -hmm. Our faith is a theology of the body. That's what our faith, that's Christmas, right? If you believe in Christmas, if you believe that the word became flesh, you believe the body is not just biological, it's theological. Amen. Our bodies tell the divine story. If we don't enter into that more deeply, we can end up kind of catechizing almost apart from the incarnation, which is unthinkable, but we can often fall into that. So let me quote here from John Paul II's document on catechesis. He says this, the primary and essential object and goal of catechesis, check this out, is to make all human beings see what is the plan of the mystery hidden in God from all eternity? It is therefore to reveal in the person of Christ the whole of God's eternal designs. Accordingly, he, he adds, the definitive aim of catechesis is to put people not only in touch with Jesus, but in communion 
in intimacy with Jesus Christ. CT5 right there. There it is. There it is. Well, you know it well. This is the key that unlocks the gift of the theology of the body. Let's, let's just look at that phrase that our goal as catechists and teachers is to make plain to everyone the mystery hidden in God from eternity. That's a, an expression right out of Ephesians chapter 3, where St. Paul says, my mission in life is to make plain to everyone the mystery hidden in God from eternity. Well, what is that mystery? The catechism summarizes it beautifully in Catechism 221, when it says, God has revealed his innermost secret. God himself is an eternal exchange of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And here's the good part for us. And he has destined us to share in that exchange. Let's just pause right there. Why is it, here I'm, I'm drawing from my musical catalog here, <laughs> why is it that Mick Jagger can't get no satisfaction? This guy tries and he tries and he tries and he tries. It's because he's aiming his desire for infinite joy at finite pleasure, right? We are made, we are destined to participate in the eternal ecstasy of the Trinity. That's what that hunger we all feel is, right? Uh, in the words of the prophet Bruce Springsteen, everybody's got a hungry heart, right? That hunger, that hunger, that ache, St. Augustine said it so well, you've made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Well, it wasn't until I discovered John Paul's theology of the body that I learned that that hunger has a name. And the hunger in the language of the church is called eros. <laughs> surprise, surprise. You know, when I heard this, I was 24 years old. And in my mind, eros, the erotic realm, was synonymous with the pornographic realm. And John Paul II helped me to realize, no, 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 no. You're confusing the word eros with another Greek word, porneia. Porneia is the twisting or distortion of eros. But eros, John Paul says, is the upward impulse of the human spirit towards what is true, good, and beautiful. Pope Benedict XVI says, eros is the desire in us that seeks God. And if we follow what Pope Benedict calls the pilgrimage of Eros, it will take us on a journey where we discover who God is and who we are. We will discover the mystery hidden in God from all eternity. This is the sole goal and aim of catechesis, to make plain to everyone the mystery hidden in God from eternity. But let's take a further step. Here's the thesis statement of John Paul's theology of the body. He says this, the body and only the body is capable of making visible what is invisible. It was created by God. The human body was created by God, he says, to transfer into the visible reality of the world the mystery that has been hidden in God from eternity. Our bodies are the main sign of the mystery hidden in God from eternity. So if the goal of catechesis 
is to make plain to everyone the mystery hidden in God from eternity. We cannot do that without the body. The body and only the body can make visible the eternal exchange of love found in God. How does the body make it visible? Male and female, he created them and he blessed them and he said, be fertile and multiply. The call of the two to become one flesh and to bring new life into the world. This is the main icon in the created world of the mystery hidden in God from eternity. Of course, it doesn't mean God is sexual. God is not sexual. But our sexuality, our call to be fruitful and multiply, reveals something of the mystery of the Trinity. Right? In the normal course of events, the union of man and woman, the union of the two, leads to a third. And so we catch a glimpse here of a Trinitarian mystery. From all eternity, this is the mystery hidden in God. From all eternity, the Father is generating the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, it's not a sexual generation. It's a spiritual generation. From all eternity, the Father is generating the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are created male and female, and we are called to be fruitful and multiply, to be a sign that transfers into the visible reality of the world, that eternal mystery, that eternal exchange of love among the three persons of the Trinity. We could look at it from this perspective. From beginning to end, the Bible tells a story about marriage. This is the catechetical key of the Bible. The Bible begins with the marriage of man and woman in the book of Genesis, in an earthly paradise. Throughout the Old Testament, God speaks of his love for his people as the love of a husband for his bride. In the New Testament, the love of the eternal bridegroom is literally embodied when the word is made flesh. Skip to the end of the story. The book of Revelation describes heaven as a marriage, the marriage of Christ and the church. Look at the two bookends of the Bible. It begins with the marriage of man and woman in an earthly paradise. And it ends with the marriage of Christ and the church in an eternal paradise. And when you bring these two bookends together to meet in the middle, where are we? <laughs> We're in the great erotic love poetry of the Song of Songs. Mm -hmm. The saints have written more commentaries on the Song of Songs than any other book in the Bible. Why? Because they saw it as the key that allowed them to enter into deep, intimate union with God. Remember, what is the mystery of God? Remember catechesis? Its goal is to make plain to everyone the mystery of God. What is that mystery? God is an eternal exchange of love, and we are destined to share in that ecstasy. God's eternal plan, we could summarize. The whole Bible, we could summarize. The whole goal of catechesis, we could summarize is to help everyone know that God wants to marry us. That's the whole Bible in five words. God wants to marry us. And he wanted that eternal plan to be so plain to us that he chiseled an image of it right in our bodies by making us male and female 
and calling the two to become one flesh. As St. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, the union of man and woman in one flesh is a great mystery, and it reveals Christ's love for the church. That's how St. Paul makes plain to everyone the mystery hidden in God from eternity. He says it's stamped right in your bodies. This is why we are male and female. The union of man and woman reveals the eternal plan of God to marry us and for the bride of Christ, humanity, to conceive eternal life within. This is our faith. Our body tells this story. And it brings us, where does it bring us? Let's look at this quote again, CT5. The goal, the definitive aim of catechesis is to put people not only in touch, but in communion, in intimacy with Jesus Christ. What kind of intimacy are we talking about? Christ is the bridegroom. The church is the bride. Jesus says, this is eternal life that you would know God. Well, that biblical word goes right back to the book of Genesis. Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived. And the prophet Hosea says, God will betroth himself to you forever in fidelity, and you will know the Lord. This is our faith. And we are all involved in a in a all-out war right now for this truth. Amen. Uh, I, I don't know yeah. if you've noticed, Jose. Uh, <laughs> I would imagine you have. It's hard not uh, to. The, it's, it's hard not to. Notice yeah, all that. the teachers out there, have you not noticed that there is an all-out raging war against the meaning of our creation as male and female? It's, it's raging in the world today. What's going on? There is an end enemy from hell who wants to blind us to the theology of our bodies so that we can no longer see that our bodies reveal this eternal mystery hidden in God. Yeah. That's his goal, to prevent us from entering that knowledge of God. And our bodies is what leads us to that knowledge of God. If he can twist and distort the sign of the mystery of the Trinity and the love of Christ for the church, then he will twist and distort in our minds the whole plan of God for our humanity. And that's exactly what's going on. Here's the good news. The Holy Spirit has not abandoned his church. Look Amen. back at any crisis that the church has gone through, and the Holy Spirit always raises up a great saint to respond to the crisis. And I propose to you that the great saint that the Holy Spirit has raised up to respond to this crisis at this moment in church history is Pope St. John Paul II. And what he has given us as the antidote to the crisis of our times is precisely this theology of the body. However, how do we, how do we, if the plane is going down, what do you got to do? First, put on your own oxygen mask and then you can help others, right? As teachers, as catechists, we have to inject this into our bloodstream so that we can then share it with others. It's as if we have, we've been given the antidote. It's right in our hands. We have the theology of the body in the church, 
but it has yet to be injected into the bloodstream of the church. And this is the goal and role of the catechist to help inject this beautiful teaching into the bloodstream of the church. That's, that's my sense of what's going on in the world right now. And that's my sense of the gift of John Paul's teaching. Amen. Yeah, that was so, wow. That was really beautifully put, you know, anytime, um, anytime I hear like just the theology of the body just spelled out in that way, it, it fires me up. I mean, it, 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 there's such truth and there's such beauty in it. It's like, how can we not be attracted to this? How does this, and I firmly believe that when we present the theology body in that way, it's going to set hearts on fire. Yes, it's going to, because it's truth, right? Yes, it's the, truth. The, it's the, pure the truth. Is, is so many people have not heard it or they haven't heard it explained in, in, in a, in a way similar to, to yeah, the way in a way that resonates. Right. And just a simple, hey, it's theology of the body and theology of the body says you should be chased till you get marriage, married, you know. Oh, right? my gosh. We're, we're, missing, right. Right. we're well, missing the glory. We're missing the glory. Right. We're missing the glory. Right. That And that's so. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're reducing the banquet to the starvation diet when we do right. that. Right. Right. We have to come into the banquet. We have to become witnesses to the banquet. Uh, Christianity, bottom line, Christianity is for hungry people. Amen. Only hungry people are attracted to the banquet, right? right. If, if Christianity is presented as, as a starvation diet, it's diabolical. That's a diabolic lie, right? The very first thing Jesus says in the gospel of John the evangelist, right? So John is known as the evangelist. What's he going to put on the words of Christ to, to inaugurate the teaching ministry of Jesus? And the word it's not have... follow all these rules or you're going to hell. No. The first thing Jesus says in the Gospel of John, are you familiar with it, Jose? I'm putting you on the well, spot. Well, so if you're alluding to this, John's and the word was made flesh, right? No, what, what, what does Jesus say? The first words he puts on the mouth oh, of Jesus oh. See, I should know this, but I'm your, your. Okay, you're, so here you go. This is a little something you can use in your own catechesis. The very first thing Jesus says in John's gospel is, What are you looking for? Oh, yeah. Christ comes to awaken our deepest yearning. And then the second thing Jesus says is, Come and become one who sees because later in the gospel jesus says they look but they do not see right we've been trained to look at the body in the modern world but we don't see the body we don't see that the body reveals god's eternal mystery we've been blinded but here's the good news if we get in touch with our deepest desires what do you want what are you looking for then we're going to follow Jesus and we're going to become people who see. Amen. And as the lights get more and more turned on, our hearts start to blaze with fire, with the very fire that Christ came to cast upon the earth. And as our hearts are blazing with the fire of his love, sparks go out from our hearts and other fires catch those sparks and start to be aflame. Right. This is how right. the world was changed 2000 years ago. 
It's how the world's going to be changed in the new evangelization. But you cannot give what you do not have. Right. And so, so I just we, want to appeal to the catechists listening to this. Please, I beg of you, the treasure that John Paul II has given us as catechists, as teachers, we have to take up that treasure in order to pass it along. So if you are, let's say you're a teacher catechist listening to this, you've heard the term theology of the body, you might have like seen a couple things or YouTube videos, but you're not really just, you know, you haven't gotten the full essence. Where do you suggest they start? Because honestly, the theology of the body, the primary source that John Paul II wrote is oh, yeah. beautiful, but it is intense for a, you know, it's intense for a, it's yeah. a big read. It's it's not something that uh, I I suggest the average person just pick up and take off the shelf. Right. right? It, it's a big read. So yes, I would. Well, while I'm reaching for books, I begin here: theology of the body for beginners. That's a great one. I used to use that with my high school with my high school seniors when I taught. Yeah, it's a good place to start. And and there is I I strongly recommend a a curriculum K through twelve curriculum. Presented by Rua Woods. Are yes, you? They are great friends of Sophia's. Yeah, we love yes. Rua Woods. So we yeah, put Rua. up a link to to that curriculum for your for your listeners here. That that's so important that we see theology of the body again. It is a way of presenting the whole mystery of God's eternal plan for humanity. Please, yes. please do not reduce it to oh, we'll put that in the chastity section when they're fourteen or fifteen years old. This is a way of presenting to kindergartners why they are male and female, why they have a desire for beautiful things, for good things, what they're attracted to, how to see the world, what the sacraments are, what the church is, what the universe is, what it means to be human. It's, it's theology of the body is a lesson in what it means to be human. It's humanity 101. Amen. It's, if we wait till they're 14, it's too late. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't want to say it's too late. It's never too late in God's grace. But but if we wait till till it's till they're 14, we've missed an opportunity. That put it this way: if we wait till they're 14, they've already been catechized by the fast food gospel. Yep. The fast food is on display everywhere. And if we are not so showing something more attractive than what's what they're watching on YouTube. If we're not showing them something more attractive than what they're seeing in the movie theater or what they're doing on their screens, if we're not showing them something that taps in to the deepest aching, burning, yearning cry of their hearts for love, for union, for affirmation, for fulfillment, then we're not proclaiming the gospel. Amen. Amen. That's beautifully said. Yeah, we have. Um, yeah. And we have to start when they're when they're young. Um, we have, like you said, I, I love the points you make about us ourselves as teachers, as catechists. We have to be in this stuff as well because we can't give what we do not have. And so this, uh, it, it really is such a beautiful and important message that needs to start from day one, right? Um, Another thing I might recommend to the catechists out there is uh, consider taking, if you're able to come in person, it's always better to be in person. Um, consider taking one of our five-day courses at the Theology of the Body Institute, which can count and does count if you want it to, to your ongoing 
you know, ongoing units of education that you need to take as teachers. Um, you can take it online as well, but I always recommend if you're able to come to our retreat center here in Pennsylvania for a five-day course, do that. But go to theologyofthebody.com and just click on our course schedule and start looking at the courses we offer. I, I always suggest start with Theology of the Body Level 1. That will get your toe in the water and a whole new world will open up to you. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, um, thank you. I think this was a really good sort of, um, what's the word? Summary, right? I know we only got, hopefully we, hopefully we only got your, um, your, your, your hunger for more going, those that are listening. And I really hope uh, that you'll check out um, as many resources as you can. Uh, I think the theology of the body, I think you, you're right there in saying it is, I think, the solution to the crisis of our time. And, and when we look at it, right, it's not just, um, I was reflecting the other day that I think that it's not only the answer to like the attack on male and female, it's also the attack to all the race issues we're having right now. It's theology of the body, like really is what is the answer to all that is ailing us right now as a society and a culture and as a church because it's also it's also key in all the liturgy wars that we're experiencing in the church oh my gosh amen yes we have no idea what the liturgy is john paul tells us unless we understand why god made us male and female because what is the liturgy the liturgy is where the marriage of christ and the church is consummated it's where the bridegroom says to the bride, this is my body given up for you, right? When we think a woman can be a priest, it demonstrates we have no idea what the liturgy is, and we have no idea why God made us male and female. The liturgy is the consummation of the mystical marriage, and for the mystical marriage to be consummated, you need a bridegroom and you need a bride. If a woman were to attempt to confer the Eucharist, the relationship is now bride to bride. And there's no possibility of a holy communion, and there's no possibility of new life. But in a world where we think two women can get married, we also think a woman can be a priest. Both come from the same confusion. We don't know what it means that God made us male and female anymore. Amen. And as those lights come on, it doesn't lead to, to uh, it does not return us to exaggerations of the differences of male and female. Let's look at that, right? There have been exaggerations in the past that has almost always favored men and been prejudicial towards women. Those need to be corrected. But the way we correct those imbalances, those exaggerations, is not by erasing the difference of male and female. A, a culture that is trying to erase the difference of male and female is a culture committing suicide because it is precisely the sexual difference that brings life into the world. This is not a footnote. This is the very foundation of human existence. And that's why the enemy's after it. If he can take the foundation out, the whole thing collapses. Uh, yeah, well said, well said. Well, I think you've given um, a lot of the teachers and catechists, all our listeners, a lot to sort of chew on and, and, and meditate and reflect on. And I, and I, I hope um, and encourage them to, to check out all those resources um and and if there's something that struck them strikes you from from what christopher shared 
pause this and uh, go or go back and listen and, and, and sit with it in prayer. Take it, take it to, take it to the, to the Holy spirit and ask, take him, it to adoration where the adoration. body of Christ is revealed yes. in its, in its sacramental glory. Yes. Yeah. Take it to adoration um, and, and help him give you the words and the, the ideas to share this with your students. Uh, I, I really thank you again, Christopher, for joining us. Welcome, Jose. Thank you for what you're doing. Such a great um, conversation. Um, yes, thank you very much. Can I share this one last thought? Of course. Please know, all you dear teachers and catechists, the church's vision is not against you. It is not a finger-wagging, scolding message. That is a lie. That is not the heart of Christ, and that is not the heart of the church. The church's vision is an invitation to the healing, the hope, the glory, the love, the fulfillment, the, the integration of body and soul that we all yearn for. It is an invitation to become who we are really created to be. It is an invitation to the fullness of life. Be not afraid. Amen. So well said. Thank you. You're welcome, Jose. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, that conversation. I know it was one of um, the most enjoyable I've had. I've had a lot of great conversations on this podcast. I'm, I'm so grateful for the guests, but this one um, was a real treat for me um, in a lot of ways because uh, I've always really been a fan of the work that Christopher West has done. Um, I, I was, I li I got to hear him speak for the first time when I was 20 years old at Franciscan University, um, and that was really the beginnings uh, for me of of entering more deeply into this teaching, uh, and 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 so I, I I I'm very grateful to the work that Christopher has done for the church. Uh, he's got a lot of great resources, and he's also really been the catalyst for others um, being inspired by him and taking off and um, starting their own Theology of the Body ministries, uh, re like writing Theology of the Body focus for middle schoolers or teens or a lot of different um, organizations that have sprung from that have been really inspired by Christopher West and the work he has done uh, for the church. As he mentioned, um, I encourage you to check out his particular apostolate um, look at the courses that he offers, the Theology of the Body Institute, that's uh, tobinstitute.org. Again, as a reminder, that's tobinstitute.org. I invite you to take a look at that and see what opportunities there are. Once again, if you need a certificate for um, having listened and participated in today's episode, you can visit sophiainstituteforteachers.org slash CITC certificate. That's certificates. Once again, that's sophiainstituteforteachers.org slash CITC certificates. As a reminder, certificates are only distributed on the 1st and the 15th of every month. Um, and so please make sure that uh, you are patient with us um, in regards to that. Um, if you have not done so already, please subscribe and give us a review. Share us with your friends. We are uh, we're right on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, Google Play, all your pot favorite podcast platforms. 
um, and we hope that you will share us um, and, and share the news about this podcast with other teachers and educators. Let us conclude our time together in prayer as we say, St. John Bosco, you heroically sacrificed yourself in order to lead young people to Christ, to form in the truth and morals of the Christian faith, and to establish lasting Christian education. Help me in my work as a teacher. Obtain for me from God holy love for my students, so that I may generously guard them from the devil and from danger and guide them to Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, God bless you all. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done so already, please check out all of our free resources on our website, sophiainstituteforteachers.org. God bless your work. Have a wonderful rest of your week, uh, and we hope that you will listen and tune in next week. 